Okay, we're live, and I think the audio is working. Think it's working? Yeah, yeah. Hello, hello. It's all good. Hi. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Bible Boys. I'm James. And I'm Pip, and this is going to be probably the best episode we've ever done. The best one. That's right. Because the best is always yet to come, and this is the latest thing that's come, so yes. it's the best. The best podcast is always in the last place you look. Because it's the latest thing you listen to until you find the next best thing. Okay, we're going backwards very quickly. That's right. Let's, let's just jump into it. James, yes. What have you been up to over the past week? Well, it turns out this week we both separately, without even corresponding, emailed the Ministry Training Strategy mm. MTS yes. offices. Why did you email them? Yes, well, you might have picked up on this on the podcast last week, but I've been getting more and more interested in back to my marketing roots, you know, the good old days when I was working in an office and literally all I was doing was like creating content for social media, creating like, you know, URLs so I could track content and all this sort of stuff and marketing, you know, um, brand building. Um, and I kind of got thinking... You know, from a church perspective, in order to reach the community around us, we do need to be good at that and we need to have a, a presence online, particularly during COVID. If we're going to reach the community during COVID um, and the community is not as out and about as it once was, is not as willing to come to physical things as, as it once was, we need to be active on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and we need to be out there and we need to specifically be finding ways to target our local area with content um, and therefore we need to produce a high volume of content and use kind of the tools available and you know any funding available to do that and so that I've as I started to kind of look into things like that for St. Paul's I realized actually this is so important tact like tactically I'm wondering if organizations like Reach Australia and MTS are doing the same thing and so I reached out to both and I asked are there tools like what you know what what is your kind of strategy when it comes to social media are you thinking that space particularly during covid um because i like i looked at their you know instagram pages and facebook pages and um yeah they i mean particularly for for mts and their instagram page they hadn't posted for a long time and um and that's not unique to mts There's no yes of, that's yeah. right that's right and i think this is something that a lot of churches and organizations struggle with um, is the social media front because, yeah, we, we forget the importance of having an online presence and, and generating content that's valuable um, at a high rate of frequency. And so, yeah, I call, we had a, we had a chat with, um, uh, between me and, and Ben, the director, and, and some uh, uh, couple other people just talking about um, what their strategy is and, yeah, how we, how we might generate more content. So now I'm going off and trying to rally some of the MTS apprentices around the place to generate some content for MTS. So that's why I called them. Why did you get in contact with them? Yeah, so I've actually been doing some thinking about what makes a healthy culture of ministry recruitment and training for women. Nice. And uh, it's just something that I want to grow in and learn how to do better. And so I've been interviewing a number of uh, women minister trainers um, and I emailed um, MTS, Ministry of Training Strategy, and asked who are some key um, trainers in the network. Um, and they got back to me. And the same three people who emailed me were the same three people yes. who were in your That's right. 
chat so the Bible boys, the Bible boys, reaching out to MTS. That's it. Seeking to to grow and learn and to to do to be helpful. And I think like one thing that I've learned because Reach Australia, I've been going back and forward with with them on social media stuff as well. And like I'm not I'm not an, I worked in marketing for a few years. I'm not an expert, but I know a few things. And I think what I've realized is you don't need to be an expert before you ask the question mm. and like prod a little bit and be like, you know, w- what's happening. And, um, and even coming from that angle, which you're coming from, which, which is wanting, like, I, I want to learn, you know, how to, how to develop a healthy culture of, um, you know, ministry and recruitment and training. And yeah, it's, it's really, I think it's more and more I'm learning just, just do it. Just ask those questions and yes. talk to the right people and just go for it. Um, yeah, and we're seeking to learn and grow, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're not claiming to be experts, but it's been interesting. Where, so you know, I've been interviewing a number of, of people, and they're just thankful that I'm even asking the question. I'm mm. sure you would have had that as well. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, and they were really appreciative. Like, it's good to know that other people care about the success of our organization. Yes, and are willing to ask questions and. In your case, like it's good to know that people out there care about yes. gener- fostering a healthy culture. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you learned anything in that in that area? I've learned so much. And any I'm, any highlights that you'd want to share for like? Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm happy to share one or two things. Um, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to collate all the things that I learned from uh, these wonderful uh, trainers, um, and I want to to just sort of synthesize them. Um, not to diminish the individual experiences and voices, um, but to sort of just come to some some things that I can also present back, um, and even for our church at St Paul's about how we can keep fostering a healthy culture. Mm. Um, and it's actually really encouraging. Just before I share one or two things, because in the last ten years, our church has had thirty four ministry apprentices, mm. um, uh, thirteen of which are women, um, which is wonderful. Mm. Um, and we would love to keep seeing more and more. Uh, and MTS is a wonderful organization that helps foster uh, this this uh, culture of training. Mm. Uh, two things that I've learned uh, that have been really helpful. Uh, number one is uh, you need people in your church or ministry. Uh, you need everyone to actually be thinking about raising up leaders. So it's very hard to do this when thinking about training only comes from the top. Mm. So everyone needs to be on board with it. You, you want your growth group leaders to be thinking about how do I keep training men and women? You want your uh, youth group leaders. You want your children's ministry leaders. You want your ministry apprentices to keep thinking about how do we keep training and r- uh, raising new leaders? Mm. If it's only the, the, the paid um, ordained ministers who are doing it, um, you're not going to be fostering that culture of mm. training. Mm. Uh, secondly... Um, so, um, quite separately, so this is not something that just one of the people who I spoke to said, but quite separately, they all said, you need to be very specific when you're recruiting women about why, um, you think they're suitable. Mm. You need to give them two or three tangible things. And they were generalizing. They said, for guys, you, you pat them on the shoulder and you say, I think you'd be great at doing this. A lot of young Christian guys would be like, yeah, you know what? I think I would be great at doing this. Mm. <laughs> it feel it can be an inflated sense of confidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for some Christian women, there can be uh, a lack of that sense of confidence, a sense of oh, actually, I'm not sure. 
And so what you want is you want to have two or three tangible things um, that you say, hey, I saw you do this. Um, I think you could grow in this. I think you'd be wonderful at this. Mm. Um, so that they know when you're asking, there's, there's actually substance behind the ask. Mm. Which means that if you want to develop a culture of training and recruitment for women, you, it can't just be an afterthought. You actually have to have people get alongside um, the women in your congregation and do ministry together. Mm. Give them opportunities to lead. Give them um, opportunities to learn. And to say, uh, in light of that, yeah, you did a wonderful job and I think you can you can do more of this. Mm. So that was really, really helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any thoughts or reflections on, on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about my own, um, I guess, forgetfulness. Like when I'm, I don't know, involved in a ministry, I often forget, oh, hold on, I'm not going to be here in a couple of years. Someone else is going to have to take my place. Who Who is the next generation of people coming up and... Who are people that are suitable to recruit? I think that's a really difficult thing to keep front of mind. Um, but yeah, as you say, so important. Um, and yeah, asking asking the right questions and yeah, yeah. I guess I mean one of the things on my mind has been um, thinking about the future. And um, I guess like Soph and I going into ministry and and thinking about like. What, what you know there's a there's a great need for ministers of all kinds men and women um, but what's the what's the greater need at the moment like there is a significant drought of ministers who are both women's ministers and um, ministers you know men as well um, is there is there I don't know is there wisdom is there ever a time where it's appropriate to be like you know Sydney needs more women's ministers? And therefore, I want my wife to be a minister, and for me to help the church in some other way, in a not in like a not ordained like capacity. Oh yeah, certainly. So one of the women I spoke to, she's exactly in that um, situation. So her husband was uh, a, an overseer at the church, and she was uh, very involved um, in um, in ministering in the maturity space. Um, and they actually uh, worked out that for their marriage, um, it wasn't very good for them to be working in the same space. And they made the decision for her to stay uh, in uh, paid full-time ministry at the church and for her husband to step down and do something else. Mm. And for them, it was, how do we keep honoring God, number one? Mm. How do we keep loving each other in faithfulness in our marriage, number two? And then number three, how do we... Um, make sure our jobs are reflecting the concerns that we, we care about for the world. Um, and it's not as if her husband's not involved in church at all. Mm. It's just in terms of the job, part, yeah. they decided that she would be doing that. But she said, you know, when I was talking to her, she said, you know, you can do it together. You can work in different ways, but you have to get the order right, which is honoring God and honoring each other in your marriage. Um, and then ordering other things based mm. on that. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, that, that's totally a possibility as well. Mm. It's also worth saying that in a lot of churches, there are roles for um, men and women that don't involve an authoritative teaching mm. uh, position. Mm. So there's, there's a lot. Um, and we can do a better job. Uh, we can all do a better job of helping men and women see that ministry is far more than just a sermon on a Sunday. Mm. There's a lot. There's 
a lot to do. One of the women I spoke to, it was wonderful. I said, so what do you think about this language of the minister drought? And she said, James, there's been a minister drought since the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Anyone saying there's a minister drought right now, they're not seeing it in terms of the the gospel perspective that we've always needed more people. Yeah. It's so, that's an interesting perspective because it's like, I mean, like, yeah, now you have you know, people retiring at a faster rate than going into the ministry. And that's, I guess that's where that drought language kind of comes in, you know, but so true. Mm. It's like, it's not just the churches that need, it's not just the churches that need someone coming in. It's the, the community that needs yeah. more and more people. It's coming the war up. Yeah. The world. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to tell you about something else that yeah, happened yeah. to me this week. Yeah. I might um, just move the mic. So it's a bit, um, yeah, central. sure. Listeners, we are moving the microphone. <laughs> cool. Wonderful. Um, I was in Eastwood on, uh, I think it was on Tuesday, and I was walking, and um, I looked down, and I found a $20 note. Really? And I picked up the $20 note, and at that moment, I thought two things. Number one, I held it up, and I was yes. like, I wonder if this belongs to anyone, because mm. it's just here, and no mm. one's... So I held it up, and number two, I was thinking, what would Pip do? In this situation. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so what would Pip do? I would find a moral middle ground. <laughs> and uh, what I'd do is I'd take it. I'd buy, you know, maybe like a coffee or something. Like I'd do like a pay it forward coffee. I'd, like, sure. I'd invest $4 of it into paying forward a coffee. And then I'd pocket the $16. I've done my good deed. <laughs> Wait, but don't you get the coffee? No, no, I'm paying like. Oh, you're paying it. For I'm paying it for. So I'm paying for someone else's coffee. Sure. So the next person that comes in gets it for free. I've just paid for some random's coffee. Yes. Off Is I that go. a real thing? Pay forward. Yeah. Most or oh, some places do it. Okay, maybe not Asian places because I've never seen or heard about something. <laughs> yeah. They're like, pay it forward. No, we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. just keep that. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Pay it forward to me. Yeah. yeah that's, it, that's, yeah. It, that's it. But yeah. So yeah, that was that was a. Fun moment. It goes to show Pip. Now when I do my everyday things, I, you know, I have an initial thought, but then I think, what would Pip do? Yes. What would the Bible do? I I really appreciate that. I had a, can I share, I had a um, morally murky dilemma over the weekend myself. And, um, well, we played soccer and then we went to the ranch at Epping, you know, and, you know, we're hanging out there, chilling out. And we were maybe a little bit close to each other physically, like yes. as in like, you know, yes. social distancing, the lines were blurred for, for, you know, a little bit. And so, but I left because I needed, yes. needed to go. And on my way out, I saw police officers walking in. Yes. And so in my mind, I'm like, do I let nature take its course? <laughs> and if the police see and they want to find them, that's that's let that happen or do i call the boys yes. in that moment and be like hey just spread out a bit because there's police around yes what would you do in that situation what would i do yeah i would probably send them a text yeah, yeah. i'd probably send them a text yeah yeah okay it's, it's a it's a friendly thing to do yeah um and it, it's it's good and right mm. yeah yeah I, I yeah i just i just gave one of them a call i said cops are coming he's like all right there you go. And they spread out, so... That's right. Um, that being said, last night, uh, Viv and I were watching the bookstore episode of Seinfeld. 
where at the very end <laughs> the toilet the toilet yeah that's right yeah. Where George takes the book into yeah. the toilet and then at the very end if you remember Jerry says so you just need to make an example of someone um, yeah. it's yeah. like yep doesn't matter who yep that and then guy. he points at George yeah. <laughs> and then swarm swarm yeah so uh, that was good fun Viv and I are almost on a Seinfeld by the way we're, oh, uh, nice. we're, uh, we watched The Frogger as well Oh, so good Such a great episode Yeah uh, So we're basically three episodes uh, left until the end If you don't include the final, like, summary That penultimate summary episode Yeah, yeah So we're almost done, Pip Have you seen the, the Curb Your Enthusiasm Seinfeld remake? I have on YouTube yeah. It's yeah. so funny Yeah Was it I, I Lou or something? The Eye Toilet The Eye Toilet <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Listeners, if you have enjoyed Seinfeld uh, and would like to recommend a TV show for me to watch next, you can email us at thebibleboys with a Z at gmail.com. What's that email, Pip? That is thebibleboys with a Z at gmail.com. I yep. think, you know, we are the Bible Boys. Mm. It is appropriate that us we to move on eventually to, to the Bible. To the Bible. Pip, what have you been reading this week in the Bible? I've been reading, I've been skit-scanning around. Yes. Um... But one thing that I was reading last night was Luke, the the end of Luke yes. in our reading group. Yes. And someone asked a really great question from that group that we were in. From if you go to Luke twenty three, I think. Um, yeah. Okay. So okay, Luke twenty three. So Jesus is dead. Verse fifty five and fifty six. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Now, the question was, what were they doing with spices and perfumes if Jesus was going to be locked in a tomb with the stone rolled in front of it? And I think on, in chapter 24 as well, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So it's like, what, what were they um, expecting to find with the spices and the perfume? Because aren't, like, aren't you supposed to put those on, uh, like, on a body? Mm. Isn't that the idea? Mm. And so... Did they have the expectation that the stone that there would be no stone and that they could just walk in freely, or was the stone easily movable, or um, you know, were there were there guards that could move the stone for them so that they could get in and do that, or were they just going to kind of put the sp- the spices and the perfumes around the tomb, maybe like on the tomb, like we put flowers on like a gra- you know a grave stone or something like that, yeah, to pretty up the area. Um, so yeah, that was a great question from someone last night and it yeah it got me thinking because i off the top of my head didn't have a confidence in any of the answers like those answers that i just put forward yeah um yeah do you have any insight uh no definitive insight um other than i know that the spices and perfumes thing it's actually a way of honoring um uh, the dead uh and in a sense making it presentable for uh, visitation um, but yeah like I, I'm not sure what they expected did they expect the the tomb to be openable mm. <laughs> to they uh, yeah 
Um, I'm sure there's an answer out there. Yeah, because it's a pretty yes. intuitive like yes. question. But yes. I have I'm yet to Google it. Yes, and I'll probably Google it later. That's right. Yeah. But one of the things that is interesting, um, I mean, I don't know if this is the answer, but if you think about um, so Jesus, you can think about Jesus's uh, work through his life, death, and resurrection and ascension. You can think about it in terms of humiliation and exaltation. <clears throat> But if you think about humiliation, like the, the, the peak of humiliation was the cross, mm. right? Um, in his burial, um, in the movement, burial could be seen as, well, actually, his burial is just how we get to um, resurrection, which is when the exaltation starts. Mm. But actually, I think burial, the way that the Gospels uh, portray burial, it's almost like that is the start of the exaltation already. Because he... Uh, has a tomb prepared for him in a rich, it's a rich person's tomb. Mm. And then also the fact that spices and, and perfumes are, are offered like and, and prepared for him, that's not something that is for a humiliated person. Mm. That's actually a sign as well of his, um, like that there's, there's, there's more here than just humiliation. Um, and, and you get a hint of this, for example, in Isaiah 53, in Isaiah 53, uh, verse 9, you get, he was assigned a grave with the wicked, right? Which we see ultimately fulfilled in the cross with... The two criminals. The two criminals. Yeah. But then the next line in Isaiah 53, 9, and with the rich in his death. Yeah, Joseph. Joseph of Arimathea, his, yeah. his, um, uh, his tomb. Yeah, right? yeah. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. So there's a sense in which even in the prophecy, we see this idea of humiliation in his death... But then uh, the burial is actually the beginning part of, of the exaltation. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's so, and I think that there might be something there about well, yeah, if he was just humiliated, then you just sort of you know bury him and that's it. But we see a movement that's starting here, which is wait a second, this is not just a tomb for a humiliated criminal. This is a a, a rich man's tomb mm. and uh an honoring of his body mm. which then culminates in resurrection and ascension mm. as well that's so those are some thoughts there that's cool that's yeah. interesting mm. anyway that's what i've been reading nice um, what about you what have you been reading well i finished leviticus um cool. and i finished ephesians but i want to point out something from ephesians okay um and next week i will share what i've got from leviticus about the sacrifices because i said i was going to Share some things. But I will say right now, Pip, mm. I've avoided doing like a, a thorough Google search on these sacrifices. It's hard to work out what all these different sacrifices mean from Leviticus. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we saw, I mean, just to throw it like in, we've been reading through Romans at church and in Romans 8, 1 to 4, you get that sin offering yes. reference. Which is a Leviticus language, isn't it? That is in Leviticus as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Now you've got your grain offering, your burnt offering. Your fellowship your offering. Fellowship. The wave. You've got offering. your wave. Yep. You've got your a burnt offering. Burnt offering. Yep. But I'll, I'll share what I have next week. Yeah. And then after next week's podcast, I'm going to go and Google it thoroughly and try to find out more. Just before we get into Ephesians. Sure. Yes. Let me ask you this. Go. Is there one offering that's a lot easier than the other <laughs> offerings. I feel like the wave offering. <laughs> yeah, I, from what I've found, I think the wave offering is a simpler one. Yeah. Or easier to do. Yeah. So it's like take a cut of... Oh, it's not... 
Oh, it's not just a wave. No, you're not just waving. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what you thought the wave just offering a, was. Right. Just a friendly wave. It's like a tokenistic offering. It's like a... Yes. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know what's been fascinating? It's actually fascinating to go, yeah, there's, there's that, the fact that Jesus fulfills all of these things, I think uh, there's a there's greater dimension to to what his sacrifices accomplished by actually understanding more of what these sacrifices were for. Mm. But yeah, more on that next week. I would have loved to be like a, a Jewish husband in like the, you know, a thousand BC. It's like your wife brings in some like some some burnt like meats and you're like <laughs> What are we having a burn offering for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know it was a burn offering day. <laughs> Pip, I would have loved to have seen you a thousand BC <laughs> talking like that. Oh, man. Here we are in Ephesians 6, though. So, um, shifting gears slightly, uh, this is actually a bit of a sad story. A sad thing, um, as, I, as I read Ephesians. So, Ephesians chapter 6, at the very end, we've got verses 23 to 24. So, uh, Paul writes, Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So the book of Ephesians, uh, we've had uh, not a lot of rebuke, right? Or, or hardly any. Um, Paul is very positive. It seems that he's encouraging them and reminding them as God's holy people of what it means to be God's church, God's, God's people. Um, and here at the very end, he, he sort of ends off with this benediction, this, this uh, good word. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Mm. And now, I said this is a bit sad. Mm. And the reason why I think it's a bit sad is when we think about Revelation chapter 2. Oh. Because in Revelation chapter 2, the Ephesian church is the first church that has a letter written to them. So as I read this, I thought of Revelation 2. Mm. And in Revelation chapter 2, in verses 1 to 3, you know... Uh, Jesus is writing, well, this is Jesus' message to the church at Ephesus. It says, verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked people. Verse 3, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. You have not grown weary. So, he's, you know, it seems like he's being very positive. Mm. Uh, you've done the right thing. You don't tolerate false teaching. You've uh, endured. Verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's when you contrast those two verses, that's like, ooh. Yeah, ooh. that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, here in Revelation 2, it could be love for God's people. Mm. It could be love for Jesus. But you look at that contrast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ephesians 6, verse 24. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Mm. Right? And even verse 23. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Like he ends on such a positive note in the book of Ephesians. Then here in Revelation 2, mm. Jesus says, here's what I have against you. Even though you have all the right doctrine, you have abandoned the love you had at first. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And did we, like, did the Ephesians, you know, if their church, like, I wonder what happened to the Ephesian church. Well, they're not there anymore, really. I mean, Ephesus was in Turkey, and I think if you... I mean, I don't know for sure. I'm not an expert on that, but I don't think they're around anymore. 
at least in this incarnation. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I wonder if like you could trace. I don't know if they if there's something like someone from that church would have moved on and done other things and it would have I don't know survived maybe I don't know. Yeah, but um, yes, yeah, yes. So from my perspective, as someone who's read this wonderful book of Ephesians, it is truly an amazing book. So mm. much gold here, a wonderful, you know, sweeping. Um, vision of God's glory seen in the church uh, mm. and the life we're called to live. Um, and I'm thankful that this has been preserved for us. Mm. Um, and I think that reading it in light of Revelation 2, it's also just a warning to say, actually, don't abandon the love, mm. love for Christ. Um, but also, I think yeah, there's a prayer at the end of Ephesians 3 uh, about... Um, Ephesians 3 verse 17, Paul prays that we having been, or the Ephesians rather, being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Let's keep praying that we would not abandon the love that we have, mm. that actually our love in addition to doctrine would, would be together. Because mm. that's also a, a critique on the Ephesians that they have all the right, you know, presumably the right doctrine. Yeah. They stand for truth. Yeah. They they persevere. Yeah. But Jesus's charge against them is they don't have love. Yeah, and I think that's very like I I I think I'm not a very I'm a, I've mentioned this before. I don't think I'm a very emotional person. And the idea of loving Jesus, loving God, it do, like it is a bit foreign to me. And um. Like, it doesn't come naturally to me. But, um, yeah, I think that's so important to just keep reflecting. Is is my faith purely an intellectual adherence to what I know, like, doc, you know, doctrinally true things? Or do I have an actual love and, will, like, a desire to, to live for God? And, um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, in Revelation 2, you saw, you know, this, like, this I... Um, this I have for you, you know, you, you disagree with the practices of the Nicolaitans or whatever they're called. Mm. Mm. And so it's like they're, they're opposing the right people to oppose. They're upholding the right truths to uphold, but they've lost the love. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm. So you can stand for truth and yet lack, lack love, which actually is a critique against people who say love is just telling people the truth mm. um i think jesus would disagree with you yes there now it that's not to say that standing for truth is not loving for others mm. um, but clearly jesus sees a distinction here and so i'm gonna go with jesus yeah yeah, yeah. nice nice there you go hey can i just bring just one other thing came to mind from yeah. luke that i want to ask oh you about. please yeah. so back to luke um someone asked what happened to Mary, Jesus' mother? And I think she comes up... Um, uh, it says, like, Mary, mother of James, somewhere. Yeah, here we go. Verse... Um, chapter 24, Luke 24, verse 10. Yep. Talking about the women who went to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, um, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them. And I'm wondering, is this Mary, the mother of James, who is the brother of Jesus? As yep. in, is this Mary, the mother of Jesus? I think so. And why, so why isn't it called Mary, the mother of Jesus? Is, and here, here's like some hypothesis. Yeah. Um, is it that Jesus is presumed dead at this point, and so she's referred to as the mother of the living child, uh, of a living someone, James? Or is it because they want to emphasize, Luke wants to emphasize Jesus is God's son, 
and therefore the the way they want to refer to Mary from now on is not Mary the mother of Jesus, but Mary the mother of James or someone else, another sibling, mm-hmm. because they want to keep that Jesus divinity as clear as possible and kind of minimize the connection to Mary biologically. That's a really good question. I am not sure at all. Um, I have no... Yeah. It is interesting. I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, as in just from the reading of it, you go, yeah, I mean, it's quite reasonable to mm. see mm. this as the mother of Jesus. And actually, you know, in Luke's gospel in chapter one and two, we already see a real, really prominent role mm. uh, for Mary, don't we? So it's not as if Luke's gospel is... Is down on Mary. Yeah, no, yeah, not no. at all. Not at all. So... Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Mm. It's, a, it's a good question. Yeah. Anyway, just a little tidbit. There you go. Because we are the Bible boys. We are the Bible boys and we do like the Bible. and We love the Bible. Because we love God. That's it. That's right. Anyway, uh, no emails today. Okay. okay. So, uh, you know, listeners, if you'd like to send us something for us to ponder. To chew on, feel free. At the Bible boys. With a Z. At gmail.com. Huge. Um, just finally, James, anything that you've been thinking about that you want to share before we finish? Anything on your mind? Well, what about you? I have something, but do you have something? I have something. I have something cooking. <laughs> it's not a fully formed thought yet. Sure, well, I'll go first. You then. go first and let me fully form my thought. That's right. Let's get that chicken roasted in the that's, oven. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my thought. Yeah. If you, um, and I didn't come up with this question, but if you could clear your schedule... Mm. Clear everything, and you were given 40 hours to work in the week. Mm. You, you had no restrictions on what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, what would you do with those 40 hours? And, like, no deadlines, no anything. No like... deadlines. And Sorry, in particular, it's to do with um, uh, church ministry or ministry. Yeah. So 40 hours, no restrictions, no deadlines. You can do what you want. Yeah. What would you do? Um... Well, it, like what I have been doing in my any kind of spare time that I have is literally de- like going onto the app store, looking up um, apps for editing photos and videos and, um, and reading like church marketing blogs and stuff like that and just building a library in my head of apps and ways to create good content really quickly. Because, yeah, again, like, um, which is probably a boring answer. It's probably not what you're after. But um, that's, at the moment, that's what I would do. Well, well you're doing research. Yes. That's the thing. I would research. Re- I'd be doing research. Because, like, this is, this is what I, th- I feel. Like, our church, we've got people who, are, who have time and are great with video editing and all that stuff. Imagine if you're a minister at a church of, like, 20 people and you want to put up some ads to the community to come check out church and stuff like that and you know you've got an iphone and that's that's it no one has no one has adobe no one has anything um i want to be able to if i'm ever in that situation i want to be able to create good content quickly on my phone and know exactly how to post it and publish it and and i'm thinking i might want to create some kind of resource to help 
people who are just like, I don't have time for social media to be like, no, if you've got 30 minutes, you, you know, in your week, mm. if, if you've got to spare five minutes a day, you've got time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. But, yeah. But yes, I mean, that's like right now, that's what I do. But I think maybe in general, I just, I'd read or, or, you know, yeah, do research into an interest area. Yeah. What would you do? I would do 15 one-to-ones. So that's 15 hours. I've got 25 hours left. Yeah. I'd spend 10 hours reading and praying. Yeah. So I've got 15 hours left. I'd spend five hours writing. And then I'd spend 10 hours like in... Praying's a good one. I missed praying, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So I've had a bit more time to think about this. So what was I? Sorry. I was 15 one-to-ones. Yeah. And then 10 hours of reading and praying. Five hours of writing. What's that? But now I've lost count. I, I think know. I've got say, 10 hours again. Say it again. <laughs> this is like those things where it's like you've got $30, pick your dream. Yeah, yeah. Like that's got 40 sort of hours, pick, right. your, pick your dream. I'm going to go again. So 15 hours of 15 one-to-ones. Yeah. So and then 10 hours of reading and praying. Yeah. Five hours of writing. So I've got 10 hours left. And then that 10 hours, I'd spend maybe five hours of it door knocking. And then five hours of it, um, like, maybe either preaching or, or making resources. Nice. That's what... I'm, I've changed my mind about door knocking. I was obsessed with door knocking. You were. Year. You were. I was like, I did research into door knocking and like percentages. And, you did. You, know, you did. You know, yes. I, I literally like would go around some of these houses around my house and door knock and like try different surveys and different kind of things. And like, I've, I've kind of gone completely the other way now. I'm like, no, in 2020, like online advertising, online yes. presence is how people choose to get involved in things. But you see, you you changing in that wasn't something that you just woke up one morning and you were like, yeah, I, I don't feel it anymore. You actually did it. Yeah. And you researched oh, yeah. it. I was really optimistic about door knocking until I realized you knock on a hundred houses, it takes, you know, three hours and you're lucky if someone comes to church because of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? There you go. Yes. Well, maybe then door knocking or walk up, walk up evangelism, because there's actually a lot of I don't know I, I, if I've ever told you this. I did some walk up evangelism in Auburn, like, um, just going up to people, people sitting in this. Now it's, it's actually hard nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Like in this environment, like, yeah, yeah. People are really willing to chat. Um, yeah. Especially if they're uh, migrants, migrants are really willing to chat. There you go. Yeah. Because they want connection. They, they want, want connection. Yeah. That's right. And and um, if you're patient with them and willing to, to talk to them like slowly and carefully because their English may not be very good, mm. they really respect and value that. Mm. So there you go. I Another way I might use my 40 hours yeah, go. is a Bible Boys mega marathon. Hey. You know what I want to do? What do you want to do? I want to start maybe next week. If you oh, I haven't talked to you about it. If you're keen. Yeah. Tell me on air. Tell me on air right now. We'll create a Bible Boys Facebook. Yeah. Do we have a Bible Boys Facebook? No, we don't. A Bible Boys Facebook, and we'll go live. We'll go live. And we'll do a live. Hey. And we get people to text in qu- and questions. Oh, that'd be wonderful. I, I would do that. You know? Let's do it. Is it tacky? No. No. It know, could be. It could be. It could be. But let's make it... Let's have a go. Let's, let's, give let's a have go. a go. And, again, we, we've got to prepare for what this... Uh, more College Recording Studios. Oh, be, that's right. We gotta... Have we told people like, More College has a recording studio and we're going to try and get in there? That's right. Well, I told you on air last week. I oh, think. right. Yeah, cool. 
Now, whether or not they'll let us in, that's another issue. But, you know... They'll let us in. A fine establishment with fine Christian quality... Sorry, quality Christian material. I'll I'll sell it. The principal, I'll sell it to Mark Thompson. I'll go up to him and I'll say, Hey, Mark, do you like the Bible? And Mark will be like, Yeah, what does that have to do with anything? I'm like, can I have the key to the podcast? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Or the gospel. That's it. Well, this has been a... As I predicted prophesied at the start it's maybe one of the best episodes of the bible boys that we've ever done in my opinion ever and so i hope you've enjoyed it listeners at home i hope you've enjoyed the might as james would say the might the wonder the magic the magic the beauty the elegance the gracefulness the eloquence of the bible boys of the bible boys see you next week bye